0: All right, anyone else have a similar rude awakening about adulthood? Uh, all the dreams you had as a kid uh, when you were going to be an adult, they were rudely interrupted when you grew up, by real life. And when you were young, you thought, man, I'm going to eat ice cream for every meal, only, only to grow up and be rudely interrupted by a dairy intolerance. <laughs> it's awful. It's terrible. And when you were young, you thought you would drive a Ferrari. You would go as fast as you want all the time only to be interrupted by kids in their stupid uh, car seats <laughs> and a thing called the speed limit. Oh, right? Rudely interrupted. And when you were young, you thought you were going to be Spider-Man. It's just who you were going to be. It was your destiny. Only to be rudely interrupted by a reality that did not include being bit by a radioactive spider. Buzzkill. Right? Bummer. Right, Foundry Church, uh, you, you kind of... Kind of see where I'm going with this. Growing up, growing up, uh, any growth of any kind, however we want to describe it, is a little uncomfortable. It, it takes work. It's not always uh, what we realize. Uh, look at it like this. Eagles, the, the bald eagles, are some of the oldest living birds of prey around. They can live up to be 70 years old. And as they grow, as they age, one of the things that happens to bald eagles is that their beak begins to grow and kind of build up this layer of scar tissue from all the little cracks and scratches over the first part of its life. And this buildup of scar tissue begins to uh, limit the ability of the eagle to open its beak wide enough so that it can eat properly and continue to grow, especially in the, the second half of its life. So in order to survive uh, and continue to grow and thrive, eagles find a rock or a hard surface. And they begin to, to beat their beak on it until that, that crud, that scar tissue breaks away. till so that buildup is gone. Some even die in this process. The the eagle literally beats its head against a rock until the bad stuff, uh, the stuff it doesn't need to survive, the stuff that is keeping it uh, from thriving, falls away, the stuff that's holding it back. And then, only then, after beating its head against a rock, will the eagle let the beak grow back to its correct proportions, and then the eagle can begin to thrive in the second half of life. This is sometimes what growth feels like. And just being honest, especially growth in our faith, we're just being real here. It can sometimes feel like the pounding of our head against a rock. Like we have grown, we're grown, but grown in all the wrong ways. And now we have to start over again in order to thrive, in order to forge ahead. There are four things that we need to grow. Four things that are a, a foundation, if you will. These things, they will help us as we forge ahead. Four four things that are going to kind of be the foundation. They, they will help us as we enter into Easter and we talk about the gospel and, and what Jesus has done for us. And then it's going to help us as we have difficult conversations or, or good conversations about who Jesus is, but also difficult conversations like, uh, like when we return to the conversations about elephant in the room, those those topics that are difficult to handle, we need this foundation, right? We need to grow in this foundation, and those four things are this. We grow by being in the word of God with the community of God, right? We we grow by the the spirit of God so that we can be on the, the mission of God. And last week, we talked about being in the word of God, and I know for those of us who who don't like to read, that can feel like a painful and hard process. It just feels a little clunky, a little difficult. Uh, But as my wife said in her podcast last week, and if you did not check it out, you should, being in the Bible allows us to be in the presence of God, and it is worth it every time. It's worth it every time. But once we've done that, once we've been in the word of God, we've done that, the next steps we find ourselves in uh, is being in community with God, but also in community with the people of God, the community of God, and by the spirit of God. And if you're anything like me, man, you just want to jump over the community part. (laughs) I'm just being honest. You just kind of want to jump over the community part and go straight to the, the spirit of God part. I think us men especially have a hard time with community. Right? I, I recently heard that uh, this thing said about, about women. It says they make friends knee-to-knee. Knee. And men, we make friends shoulder-to-shoulder. Shoulder. Women, uh, they're facing each other. They're getting to know each other. They're swapping recipes or hugging or crying or doing whatever it is that women do when they're together. <laughs> and us guys, all right? Even when we're making friends, when we're in community, we can't even look at each other, all right? We have to look at something else besides each other, and then we hope that we have enough in common that we are at least going to grunt at the same thing that is in front of us. Right, I, You're laughing, but I own this, all right? I own this, all right? You know, that's why. that's why our... Men, they, they grow, and it's more activity-focused. That's what they mean by shoulder-to-shoulder. Shoulder. It's, it's doing something. It's watching a game. It's, it's eating, at least around a table. If you are going to sit in a circle, there better be a fire in between you. <laughs> right? There's competition. There's sports. There's fishing. There's, there's softball. There's whatever it is. So, so here's the, the tension that we need to peel like an onion this morning. It's this. It's community it is hard community is hard so why should we do it right? community is hard so why should we do it community is messy why even deal with it why right sure I, I need to grow in my faith but can't i just skip over community right if i had my way i would be a a monk in the mountain somewhere all right so so turn with me to the book of first john and we'll be in in chapter four today and we're going to realize that, hey, we probably shouldn't be monks. <laughs> God has a different plan in store. Now, 1 John is in the back of your Bible. It's in the New Testament, so the second half of your Bible, but all the way towards the back. One of the last books of your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, please, please, please use the books or the Bible that are in the seats in front of you, and you can take those with you. They are free for you to have, to use, to take, to give away. First John. In the New Testament, at the back of your Bible, use the table of contents. Now, while you're turning there, let me give you some context. Let me share a few things about this book of the Bible. It was actually a a letter written uh, late in John's life, uh, probably around 50 or 60 years after the death of Jesus, when John was living in the city of Ephesus. So it was written to the churches in that area, and the churches in that area, they were struggling with some false teachings, and we're feeling a little bit discouraged. So John, he wrote these letters to them to encourage them in the truth and in the way they should believe and behave as followers of Jesus, as people forging a lifelong reliance on God. So let's read together 1 John, chapter 4 is where we're going to be, verses 7 through 8. It says, Beloved, that's us. We're beloved. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. All right, keep your, keep your finger right there. Keep your place. All right, we're going to go through this, this slowly today, because there is a lot that I want to make sure we catch in this section of Scripture. Now, that first phrase, right, let us love one another, for love is from God, in the original language is agape toy, agape men, right? So that, that term agape, that, that, that term agape in the original language for love there, it is one of the four words for love used by the Greeks. Right? hang with me here. This is, this is important for us to get this. Their language is is better than English because they had more than one word for love. So when I say I love Bonchan, <laughs> I love Bonchon, but when I also say I love Christina, my wife, I clearly do not mean the same thing. It's close. But it's not the same thing. <laughs> the the Greeks, they they recognized this as a problem and they had different words for love. They had philia, right? The, the type of love that you have for a friend, it is where we get the name Philadelphia from. The city of brotherly love. And they have the word eros. This type of love is the love that you have in a romantic relationship. It's where we get the word erotic from. Okay, and then they have the word storhaj. And this, this type of love is used to describe a, affection that you might have for like an old sweater. Or, or slippers that you just can't let go of it's it's a comfortable love and maybe of a uh, an old dog at your parents house that's just always been there right it's it's comfortable it's always been there maybe it's your favorite jam that comes on the radio and it just takes you back right journey right? right can't stop believing did i just date myself see we're tracking right Right? We're, we're catching what John is throwing up. There's different, there's different words for love. And then the final love is the word agape. Agape love. This, this type of love is a divine love, characterized by, by sacrifice in the pursuit of another person's good. Agape love is the type of love that does not care what you've done or, or what you can bring to the relationship. Foundry Church, it is a love that will sacrifice anything for your good. (laughs) It's agape love. It's the kind of love that lays down its life so that you can experience good. Very good. No matter what you can bring to the table. No matter what you think of yourself. Agape love loves at all costs. And John, he begins this passage by saying, agape toy, agape men translated this those who have experienced agape love divine love love uh, no matter what you bring to the table those who've experienced that agape love from god should show uh, agape love to all men right john says hey look you've received uh, this inconceivable completely unearned completely life-changing love from God, you should do that for other people too. Now just zoom out for just a hot second here. All right? Love, agape love is what we have been given. If we follow Jesus, we've accepted his grace, it doesn't matter what you bring to the table. He loves you. He loves you. For who you are. For who he created you to be. And he says, if you've experienced that, if you accept that, you should show that love to other people too. And then the sentence goes on to say, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And knows God. Founder Church, the more we experience the love of God, the more we share it with others. And the more we can know God in the process. Experiencing the love of God and sharing it with others, that is how we grow. That is how we forge ahead. You cannot truly grow in your faith without also growing in love for one another. You just can't do it. You, can, you cannot truly grow in your faith without also growing in community with one another. Authentic, powerful Love-filled community. And that that is what John can, that's why he can boldly say what he says in verse 8, which I think is one of the scariest verses in all of the scripture, in all of the Bible. He says this, who does not love does not know God. He, he who does not love does not go, know God. Right? That is some pretty powerful stuff right there. It's a little scary. It's kind of like, oh, man, i got to self-reflect type of stuff. Right? <laughs> Maybe in my opinion, like I said, it's the scariest verse in the Bible. Because if I don't love, if I don't agape love, I don't know God. Right? John, John is saying uh, to the people of God, if there isn't real agape love, God's people in your life, then your claim to know God isn't true. You say you forge your life on God, but if you don't agape love, you're lying. You don't know God. Right? If there isn't real love for God's people in your life, then your claim to know God, to forge your life on God, to be a Christian, however we want to say it, isn't true. Now, don't get mad at me. God said it. So, John says through the inspiration, through the inspiration of God that all of us in this room who call ourselves Christians, all of us who um, who are here today, who have experienced the agape love of God, the undeserved, unconditional love of God, then we must love one another or we cannot claim to really know God. We must love one another even when it's hard even when it's inconvenient, and get this, even when the other person does not deserve it. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, people who are forged or forging our life on God, if we're going to say that our, our lives have been changed by the love of God, which is this agape divine love, well, we better start acting like it, is what John is saying. Now, let me, let me give you an example. In my first ministry, uh, the first church that I served at after seminary, Long ago, when the, the world was young, one summer, I took a group from our youth group to a Christian concert at King's Dominion. It, everyone know King's Dominion? All right. Pits of hell. right? <laughs> All right. King's Dominion. We went to this concert down, I don't know, Ashland, and, and they were so excited. We were going to spend the whole day in the park. We were going to ride some roller coasters. We were going to head over to the water park in the afternoon. And then we were going to, um, in the evening, after after we had some supper, we were going to I go to a concert and enjoy a nice, quiet, peaceful ride home after a long Saturday. And we walk in and there were only seven kids, uh, me and then Christina. So just seven kids, Christina and I, this was going to be cake. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. That's what I thought. And let me tell you a little bit about that day. Not 30 minutes in, I count the kids. I go one, two, three, four, five, six. Where's seven? Where's seven? Right? Who's missing? Well, a girl. We'll call her name April because that's her name. <laughs> so I start screaming. I say, April! April! I can't lose a kid. This—that's ministry 101. Don't lose a kid. After frantically searching, I find April. She's back at the entrance because there were snacks and she was hungry. And uh, never mind that we just stopped at Bojangles and we just got there. I say, you're not hungry. Get back with the group. <laughs> So we're, we're back with the group. and we get to our first roller coaster, everyone is in line. We're in line for like an hour because amusement parks are stupid. And we get to the top, and, and Christina's not going to ride it because she's going to hold everybody's stuff. And plus, she gets motion sick. So she walks through, and we partner off, and we get into the roller coaster, and we ride it. Woo, fun, everybody, yep. We get off, and, and we meet Christina. And I start to count. I go, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven who's missing oh it's april where the heck is april did she fall off the ride no i'm not that lucky so she found a boy that was cute in line (laughs) and she decided to wait for him to get to the front of the line so she could ride with him and i was like april you're never going to see this kid again he doesn't like you right he's at a different level there were some tears but i didn't care i said come on we got to go all right, then came lunch. The plan was to eat lunch, to get changed, go back to the water park. Uh, we realized that, hey, we're going to have to carry all of our bags back out to the car. So, so I volunteered to be the person to take everyone's stuff and walk it back to the church van. And, and here's the thing. Um, like a good man, I parked near the exit. All right, so we didn't get stuck in traffic on the way out. Right? and I was like, oh, oh it doesn't matter. I'm going to walk and take everybody's stuff. It wasn't because I wanted to get away from the kids for a few minutes. Not at all. So I grab everyone's stuff, and I start to walk towards the, uh, the van. It's way back there at the back of the parking lot towards the entrance of the, uh, of the park. And I failed to mention that this was in the middle of summer. It was like 98 degrees, and they keep coming over the loudspeakers like, hey, uh, you guys got to drink water um, the, with all the asphalt and all the metal. It's like 110 degrees inside the park, so make sure you're hydrating, make sure you're drinking water. And so I'm <laughs> carrying all these bags. Uh, across the sahara desert that it is king's park <laughs> parking lot All right, and my life flashes in front of my eyes no less than four times or something like that and i finally get to the van and i start loading everyone's stuff in i'm counting bags one two three four taking it off my shoulders five six where's the seventh bag I was like, are oh, you got to be kidding me? In a rage, I threw everyone's bags back in the van, and I do mean throw. I stormed back to the picnic tables, and guess who hadn't given me her bag? April, right? She's like, oh, I had some chapstick I wanted to keep. She could put that in her pocket. <laughs> Alright, so, so I would like to say that I was mature enough, that I had enough experience with God to say that I responded with love toward April. I would really like to say that, but I'm not a liar. Right, april felt the wrath of andrew that day right, forget agape love i ain't got no love for april I-, I failed that day to do as as what we just read as, as john said to be a man who had experienced agape love from god and show agape love for the people around me did april deserve love i would say no all right but her parents would say yes her friends would say yes I looked at Christina, and she kind of gave me a look like, oh, okay, I guess, maybe a little bit of love. And church, as, as a man who had definitely experienced the agape love of God, the agape love of parents, the agape love of others, a community of God, I knew that April may not have deserved the love of God, but neither did I the first time God gave me love. So I had to do some apologizing for making a 15-year-old girl cry. Real love for the people of God is a reflection of the real love that God had for us, even when we didn't deserve it, especially when we don't deserve it. I mean, look at what it says if we read on. Look at verses 9 through 12 of chapter 4, 1 John. It says, if this love, or in this love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son, into the world, so that we might live through him. Now, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation for our sins. Be loved. It's us. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another. God abides in us. right? And John, he goes on to explain the, what the love of God looks like. Agape love it looks like the Son of God. The Son of God coming to earth and living with us and taking our place on the cross. And then in verse 12 it says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, we see him. Because he abides in us. Right? Now, you want to you grow in your faith? You want to be such an example uh, that, that people around you know that you are a Christian and, and that you have something special that they can have too? You want to you help others grow in their faith? You want to forge ahead? You want a world that is broken and, and making horrible decisions and falling apart to know what the love of Jesus looks like? Love them. Love them. Love them when they don't deserve it. Love them when they don't, when you don't feel like it. I'm, I mean, that's me. I'm being honest. Right? you You got to love them at all costs. All right, that is what John says. We think the, the evidence, like, guys, we think the evidence of our growth in our faith is when a powerful and unexplainable miracle happens in our life, that that's some sort of evidence. Or we we think that the greatest evidence of our growth in our faith is when our our church grows in popularity and is bursting at the seams. Or we we think that the greatest evidence of our growth in, in our faith is when a moment of passionate feelings comes bursting out of us. But listen, listen, this is what it says. The greatest evidence of God's work toward growth in our faith is love. It's love. Right, those other things? Now, those are great indicators of the presence of God that we serve in and working in and through us and in this community. But the greatest indicator of our faith is how we love. (laughs) Right? When we are growing in our faith, there will be love. Right? Just look at at Jesus. Sometimes Jesus seemed weak, He, he he seemed lacking in power, but he was always full of love. Sometimes Jesus wasn't popular at all, but he was always full of love. Sometimes Jesus didn't inspire passionate feelings in people at all, but he always was full of love. Love was the constant greatest evidence of the work of God and Jesus. Why would it be any different for us? The greatest evidence of God's work toward growth in our faith is love. But here is the great news, guys, because i know that a lot of you have aprils in your lives <laughs> we have a lot of aprils that are rocking our world people that make agape love hard you might you might be looking around right now at someone in this room someone that makes this hard right now don't look some of you are looking at your spouses and you need to stop that right the the ride home is going to be awkward Listen, guys, growing in our faith means loving your community, your local outposts in the kingdom of God as you love the world, right? The, the, not the world, but the people in the world. It's, it's clear from scripture, but that doesn't make it easy. But if we keep reading, I think we have a little bit of hope because that's where Jesus leaves us, right? right? Verse 13 says, by this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us the spirit, right? Right? Because he has given us the Spirit. Why would John all of a sudden bring up the Holy Spirit? Because it is the only way, it's the only way possible, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can love the unlovable. It just is. God God does not ever uh, call us to something and not give us a way to make it happen. He equips us. And here, he has called his people to love one another like he has loved us. And to make it happen, he has given us his spirit, the Holy Spirit. Spurgeon, he explained it like this. He said this. He said, and his spirit is is the spirit of love. Wherever it comes, it makes man love his fellow man and seek his good. And if you have that love in your heart, it came from God, and you dwell in God. Love is an indicator of our of our growth in our faith. The, the, the kind of love that will change the world can only come from the God that we forge our life on. Now listen. Now listen, all right? We gotta get this. The kind of love that works hard at loving hard people to love and, and works hard at loving the people that God has placed in our influence. The, the kind of love that that works hard at loving people in this community of believers in this local outpost is great. That hardworking love is great, but without the power of the Holy Spirit, it's just an exercise in the flesh. Right? We need the power of the Holy Spirit to love the easy to love. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to love our neighbor, to love our enemy. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to love the person sitting next to you today, and that's an Amen, Hallelujah, Praise be type of thing. Right? It just is. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to to love the person who stopped coming with us to church a long time ago or whatever. We got to have the power of the Holy Spirit to love the person who votes differently. We got to have the power of the Holy Spirit to love the people who come from a different country or from a different background than we do. We got to love the person who God doesn't doesn't even know God yet. We got to have the power of the Holy Spirit to, to love the person who can't love themselves. They're struggling, so we're called to step in we got to have the power of the Holy Spirit to love God's community. And when we do that, that is big, that's powerful, that's, that's miraculous, and it's an everyday occurrence when we abide in the Spirit of God. Right? When we leave here today, I want this question to be on all of our minds. Right? When the world looks at me, do they see a love that can only be explained by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. When the world looks at me, do they see a love that can only be explained by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit? And that's the application. All right, we, gotta, we gotta hold that up to the mirror. And we really gotta be honest with ourselves. Right, the, the church, the global church has sort of gotten a reputation, and it's not really a, a great one. It's a reputation of everything that we're against, uh, but this is what God wants for his church from his people, they, 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 that they would be known for their love, and not just any love, a real, authentic, agape love. He wants a love that can only be explained by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Heck, <laughs> because I could put on a good show. I could put on a good show, but if I don't have the power of the Holy Spirit uh, that's loving through me, it's just an exercise. It's loved by Andrew's own power, which isn't very good. Right, so so this power, this this love by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, it's a love that gets dirty, it's a love that sacrifices, it's a love that moves mountains, it's a love that says to the enemy, you can't have this one because I love them, and the Holy Spirit of God is in me, so get your hands off of them. I love them, God loves them. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a love that says, Hey, you messed up, you're struggling with this. Me too. Me too. but God redeemed me because he loves me. He showed me agape love, and listen, he has agape love for you, and I have agape love for you. Let's figure this out. Let's walk together through this. It's a love that says no matter what, I'm with you. Come hell or high water, I got you. I got your family. We're shoulder to shoulder. We're stepping up to the table. We got each other. Because God has got us, and his spirit is in us, and we can get this done. Let let me give you this example as the band comes up. My friend Danny Hernandez and I asked him, he said, I'm downstairs, so it doesn't matter what you say about me. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm with the kids today. It doesn't matter. But my friend Danny Hernandez has been going through some stuff. I'm not going to dig into that. A bunch of stuff, right? And it isn't over yet, but a a couple of weeks ago, a little longer ago, he sent me and his small group leader, Tom, an email. He just wanted to let us know what was going on. And the following Sunday, Tom came up to me and he said, hey, I think we need to pray for Danny. And me being me, I was like, yeah, of course, yes, definitely. I've been praying. It's on my list. He's on my list. I get up, I eat breakfast, I walk the dog, uh, pray for Danny. It's there on the list, got it, done, right? But Tom was talking about loving Danny with agape love. Right, the, the Spirit of God led Tom to pray for Danny and to get myself and, and this Danny, another Danny in his small group, to show him we were with him, to show him we were all in this together, when it wasn't convenient, when it wasn't pretty, when the, the story of what Danny was going through didn't have a bow on it yet, and we didn't know what was going to happen, and we still don't. Right? Tom wanted to lay hands on Danny and to pray uh, for him, In the power of the Holy Spirit so that Danny would know that as men, as men of God, men who are forging a lifelong reliance on God, we love him because God loves us. And to this day, that's one of my favorite moments of this church. Listen, we've had some high highs as a church. We've had some events that attracted over a thousand people, days where we've had a lot of guests, even days when we served our community. (laughs) All of those things are good. Those things are good. Uh, but that moment when we're gathered together as the men of God and we show Danny what love looked like, that is something we'll never forget, right? Because it's, it's agape love. It's the spirit of God, his love coming through us. Uh, that is a love that says, I'm with you because God is with me. Uh, that is a love that says, hey, I'm going to stay late. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll circle up after church. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that we're in a rush for lunch or that the kids are cranky it doesn't matter i'm here for you because god is here with me and he's here for you that is a love that says your needs are more important than mine that is a love that says i am praying for a miracle but until it comes i will be with you that is a love that brings people back to life it restores hope it redeems It, it answers the unimaginable questions that we have that is what god is calling us to Growth that comes from being in community with people who show you the love of God by the spirit of God. It's the God we serve. It's the God that we forge our life on. Agape love. Let's stand and worship him, the author of it, the creator of this agape love.